Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. Everybody, this is Russ K5TUX, and uh, it's another fantabulatastic episode of Linux in the Ham Shack. This one is number one one eight, and uh, I'm not sure what kind of a show it's going to be. We've got some feedback to discuss. We've got a few topics we can go over, and the rest of it is going to be completely ad libbed with our good friend Pete V2XPL from out of uh, the wilds of Canada. How are you today, Pete? Good evening, everyone. Yeah, Pete, Victor Echo 2 X-Ray Papa Lima. It's getting cold up here, as I'm sure it's getting in many places across North America. But uh, uh, we've had some snow in various parts of the country. Some of it stuck. A lot of my friends out west are already skiing and snowboarding and very excited about that. Uh, here we've uh, seen some flakes fall, but nothing's sticking yet. Uh, we've had some pretty severe winds, uh, uh, courtesy of the storms that uh, that the uh, Midwest uh, were privy to. Uh, Toronto got hit pretty good, a lot were a little worse than us. Toronto a little bit, bit um, sorry, more southwest than we are. And uh, we've just had some crazy uh, winds, uh, 50, 60 mile an hour gusts. So uh, uh, interesting. All my trees are still up. No antennas have come down. So I'm all right. Yes, and I have heard several people on the intertubes discuss the storms that went through, some of them pretty violent, and we were untouched completely by them and wouldn't have known they existed if not for reporting from elsewhere. There you go. CNN. God bless you. <laughs> or something. Uh, <laughs> and also with us tonight is Cheryl again for the second time. Yay. Yay. <laughs> Hello, everyone. That's, that's like your cue to say something. And you can, like, you know, give us a little insight into what's going on in your day. Well, the reason why I didn't answer you immediately is because we had dogs barking. And I didn't figure you'd want that, so... Well, that's okay. A few dogs barking is fine. <laughs> yeah, I think Other I've than my, that, no. I think Whether, I've my dogs to bark on the show. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, our dogs have been howling at coyotes all night, so it's not pleasant, but... Other than that, I've been watching the news to find out what our weather is going to be next week, which originally was going to be sleet, and now it's possible, you know, snow flurries. But it looks like about Saturday morning, it's just going to get bitterly cold here, thanks to a weather mask from Canada. So I like to blame Pete for that. Blame Canada. <laughs> That's right. It's all right. We always I'll do. apologize for it right, right from the bat. Okay. <laughs> That's because you're, you know, courteous, gentlemanly, Canadian, as it were. There you go. Very polite. Yeah, we're, <laughs> we're, I'm looking at the weather reports right now, and we're supposed to get it too. Flurries, minus one. That's about uh, 30 for y'all. Yeah, so you guys, your, your minus one's nothing like our minus one. Yeah, no, I like <laughs> your minus one. That's when I get comfortable. It's nice and dry. It's a good cold. <laughs> All right, well, we'll keep that in mind. <laughs> So uh, with that, you have uh, dug up some stories for us tonight, so why don't we uh, get to them? Uh, yeah, some of them are old and some of them are new. Some of them are borrowed, some of them are blue. Uh, but, let's, let's try the blue uh, sorry, one first. Bad wedding reference <laughs> that no one's going to get because uh, very, very few are going to get because uh, it's a wedding joke. Oh, I think more than you think will get that. 
Yeah, maybe. See, I never got married. That's the problem. I hope my wife's not listening. I call her my wife, but she's really just my girlfriend because we've never been married. We're just kind of we've been engaged all these years. So, uh, well, that's the same with us. So, but she wants to get married, so that's why I have to be careful what I say. Oh, it's the same with us. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Before we get ourselves into deeper trouble, uh, yeah. Um, first story is uh, something I read. Uh, this one was, dates back about a few weeks. Uh, website called Tux Machines has been sold to a uh, bigger outfit called Tech Rights. This was uh, from Fosforce.com, one of the websites that shares uh, open source news with us. So uh, this uh, TuxMachines.org, popular website, uh, was announced last October 28th that it was sold uh, uh, for $1,000, which is actually not that expensive. But the reason that I thought this one was kind of interesting Aside from the fact that you know it's a cheap website, if you're looking to buy a website, uh, is that the uh, person involved, the uh, lady called Mrs. Linton, uh, has been uh, heavily involved with DistroWatch. So it's not just anybody who started this website. She started Tuck Machines, uh, Tux Machines, sorry, and it uh, quickly grew to uh, an important destination for news about Linux and uh, many open source uh, projects. So she didn't identify the purchaser herself. Uh, but it was bought by somebody called, uh, I'm going to massacre this name, Roy uh, Sestowitz, uh, who is per- perhaps best known for uh, publishing for FOSS site TechRights. So uh, the reason they know is because he blogged about the purchase on uh, his website on October 30th. So I uh, had not heard of this Tux Machines, so I checked it out. And uh, yeah, it's kind of a, an interesting website that the layout's kind of uh, kind of uh, eye-catching and um, just another place to go to get some uh, Linux news. So I thought I'd mention it in case uh, nobody had heard about it. And I don't know. Maybe I'm the only one who's never heard about it. Russ? No, you're not. I had not heard about it either. And I'm looking at the site, too. It looks like it was put together with, like, PHP BB or some typical content management suite. Doesn't doesn't strike me as being particularly glamorous, but... Uh, More glamorous, but it's 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 eye catching. It's you know, it, it draws you in somehow. Maybe just as from the geek factor. I don't know. Perhaps so. I mean, the banner is of interest for sure, and uh, lots of stories here. Um, it's it's uh, looks like I'm not sure if it's an, uh, they actually do their own news reporting or if it's an aggregator. Um, but it's it's kind of like an LWN or a slash dot or you know one of those. Seems to be pretty much about Linux and uh, computers, and I don't see a lot of like sciency stuff or anything that sort of strays from the norm here. But uh, well, that's the name Tux Machines. Exactly. So, so there you go. So yeah, I just thought I'd mention it so you could uh, check it out, or you could check out phosphorus.com if you want other news because that's just another news aggregator of sorts. So uh, there's all kinds of them that I check out regularly. Some of the stories repeat themselves on different ones. And sometimes you see something that uh, other people have uh, completely missed. So uh, it's always a, an easy way to peruse what's going on in the world, you know, be it of Linux or of ham radio, with things like uh, you know, qrz.com, the, the one that everybody loves to hate. But a, a good source for news aggregation, and, and there's some other ones that we'll mention later on. But yeah, I just uh, if, if you don't want if you don't want to go to a thousand websites, you go to these aggregators, and you could just get your your headlines real quick, you know. Absolutely. So if you've never heard of, you know, tuxmachines.org before, there you go. A new resource for you. And, Excellent. Uh, see, I'm not even close to the button. Excellent. There we go. <laughs> yeah, we did that one too early. No, I did that too one early too in late. the show for that. <laughs> Story one down. What's the next one? 
Oh, this one is a, a quickie, but uh, I thought this one was very cool because we've talked about this device so much. Our, our famous uh, Raspberry Pi, uh, the headline was uh, Raspberry Pi Exceeds Sales Expectations. And I was actually quite surprised. Uh, they're uh, selling faster than the uh, people who have developed it anticipated. Uh, they have just sold 2 million boards since their launch. Uh, they were launched in February of 2012, so you know, not that long ago, about a year and a half maybe. And uh, a million of them were sold just in the last eight to nine months. So uh, this uh, was uh, at the end of October 2013. Uh, didn't say the exact date is when they reached their uh, two millionth Hi. So uh, uh, that's just a little quick one, but uh, of interest for sure. So uh, congratulations to uh, to the Raspberry Pi folks. I'm sure they're all listening. Yes, I'm sure they're all listening. Absolutely. <laughs> Every single one of them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> all two. <laughs> yeah, or something. Um, this, this actually brought something to mind while you were reading the story, and that is the fact that I was using a Raspberry Pi here to run SVX Link, uh, an Echolink server, but I wasn't having a whole lot of success with it, uh, mainly because I wasn't really devoting any time to it. But at the time that I bought the Raspberry Pi originally, I wound up buying two of them. And the other one has never been taken out of its box. At this point, I feel like it may never be taken out of its box. So with that in mind, I think a contest is in order. I'm not sure what kind of contest it yet because I have just sort of dreamed this up in the last minute. But uh, there you go. <laughs> uh, for those of you who are listening, you may want to pay attention to the next episode or two and definitely check out the website because something will be posted there that involves a contest of some sort and the prize will be a brand new Raspberry Pi. That's cool. I think people should bake us pies and then send us pies and the best pie will win. Pie for a pie. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> it sells itself. Pie for a pie. I don't know. That's an interesting concept. I'm not sure how that'll work, though. Yeah, the shipping might be tricky. I don't know. Most people don't like to deal with dry ice if they don't have to. Yeah, no. I don't want a dry iced pizza or a pie anyways, nor, or nor a pizza. Right. Well, I don't know what it'll be, but it'll be something. And, of course, everyone who is a subscriber to the show, whether monthly, yearly, or whatever, is automatically entered to win no matter what. If you're a subscriber, thank you. And uh, you could very well have your own... Uh, or maybe another Raspberry Pi very soon. Moon pies. They could send us moon pies. That's true. Do your interpretation of a moon pie or a whoopie pie. We've been talking about whoopie <laughs> pies. All... <laughs> Even better. Yeah. Uh, Harrison in the chat room says that uh, he has a, an address in the U.S. so we can send them to him. He'll be glad to take care of them for us, I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure. Absolutely. All right. So um, maybe Cheryl can come up with a good idea for a contest. Yeah, Why put it on the spot. Do it now. Why do you always get to what? Get to do things like that. I don't know, because my brain's busy doing a million other things. Oh, I see. Because behind every great man is a greater woman. That's true. <laughs> and your idea your idea will probably be a lot better than whatever I come up with. <laughs> All right, give me time to ponder then. So We should have a contest to see what the contest is going to be. <laughs> That's very meta of you, but no. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll anyway. draw something. <laughs> Ooh, drawing, a drawing contest. That is an idea. That, that could be doable. Did you try that once with the logo? I remember way back when. I know, but that was a very specific kind of thing you had to draw. Maybe if we let people draw their interpretation of, you know, something, maybe something technical or 
something that represents the show and therefore they can exhibit a little freer creativity, it, it may work. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm game if you are. I don't know. We'll let Cheryl work on that one. Uh, no comment, huh? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. No, I'm not, thinking. Not you. Oh, you're thinking. Well, you don't have to come up with it today. I mean, <laughs> I'm just. Yeah, no, I know. I'm just thinking. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, or anybody in the text box who wants to help us out there, throw in your suggestions. Oh, we'll be please, happy to. Uh... Send suggestions. Yeah. That's fair. <laughs> if, you're in the, if you're in the chat room, definitely send us a suggestion. So. Or a recipe or... for your favorite moon pie. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. No, no, whoopie pies. Whoopie, yeah, whoopie pies. There you go. <laughs> whoopie pies are good too. It's all good. Whoopie cushions. No. Yeah, no. no. We don't want to eat those. No, definitely not. All right. So um, I moved some stuff around into the next part of the show because I didn't know how much content we'd have. So I'll talk about the thing that I put in there was that now I can say that I have actually made contacts, like verifiable contacts, on 10 meters. This is something that has been in the works for over 20 years now. Ever since I got my ticket originally back in 92, I have never made a contact ever on 10 meters. Isn't but, that the only band you could use as a novice? I was never a novice. Oh, okay. You just went right to general? Well, I went. I was a tech for like two months and then general. So Okay. Oh, very cool. <laughs> yeah. And so I thought that was very cool. And, and best of all was that I actually got to use Linux in the doing of that. I can't remember what day it was exactly. It was a day last week that I did it. And just to make an easy contact, I got on 10 meters, heard that it was fairly open, made a quick voice contact just to say, oh, look, I did it, you know, broke the ice. And then the other two were on PSK 31. So I was using FL Digi through my rig with a, with my rig blaster and everything. And it worked like a champ. So that was very cool. And uh, a good way to, to lose my virginity as it were on 10 meters. The lower bands, um, 10, apparently, I haven't heard, but uh, 12, 15, and 18 uh, have been apparently phenomenal for the last few weeks. I have some friends in our club who are uh, hardcore DXers, and they've been just, just sending emails almost every second day, oh, get on 10 or get on 12 or get on 18, and they've just been going crazy. So, uh, And then we have, uh, let's see, Symbola in the chat room says he uses 10 meters all the time. So this is a popular band. I must admit, I'm you know I have made contacts on ten meters, but it's not. Uh, I'm more attracted to the higher bands for some reason. I have nothing against that band specifically, but I tend to hang out on forty and eighty more. Uh, and if I had the room, I'd put up an antenna for one sixty. Yeah, that's uh, that's very good. So I'm uh, I'm very happy for you. It's interesting that you call forty and eighty the higher bands because I think of them as the lower bands. I think of them based on frequency, not based on their their meter length. Yeah, no, I know. I usually, <laughs> I always get that backwards, but I know what I'm talking about. Uh, yeah, and we we all know what you're talking about. We just know you're crazy too. So yeah, <laughs> crazy like a fox. <laughs> I don't know. My mom used to say that. It never made sense to me. It also reminds me that I wanted to set up something on the website where I could put like for say you and I when we might be available to do like set up sort of electronic thing where people could schedule um, an on-air chat with one of us, maybe. I don't know if that would be useful to anybody, but it sounds like something I could, you know, maybe pull off without too much effort since I actually spend, you know, more than no time on the radio now. <laughs> not not much <laughs> are more, but... Are you, are you talking about um, a Skype chat or something on, on the airwaves? No, no, no. I'm talking about, about actual ham radio sked like right okay okay yeah i just want i wasn't sure if you were yeah okay wasn't sure we were going that would be cool i'm up for that i spend a lot of time i don't spend 
a lot of time chatting. I spend a lot of time listening because I'm usually doing something else on the computer or paying bills or whatever. But I am in the shack quite a bit, so that would be something that I also would be willing to do. Actually, um, my friend Mike, who's in the chat room, uh, N2HTT, and I have been trying for some time to uh, uh, get together, but uh, we seem to keep missing each other. And a lot of that is my fault because the last few weeks I've, I've just been had a, having a crazy schedule uh, both at work and at home, so I haven't been very available. But that being said, normally I have uh, lots of time to hang out in the shack, so I think that's a good idea. All right, cool. And Mike uh, N2HTT in the chat room says, Skeds on the website, outstanding idea. So there we go. One, yeah, one vote. Might, might, a good way for people maybe to either break the ice or just kind of join in and, and have a, a bit of a, a chat, whether it be you know once a month or once a week or whatever it is. Uh, we have a, a, a local, not really a local, uh, a North American-ish kind of net uh, that goes from uh, the Midwest to up here on uh, 3625. Uh, I haven't been on for a few weeks, but uh, there's always a few regulars there, and we just chat for 15 minutes. We get on, hey, how was your day? There's uh, four or five of us, and uh, it's just kind of a nice way to, to do a little bit of ham radio without too much effort. You know, it's, it's not a contest. It's not that involved. You don't have to have any kind of commitment, really. Uh, the good thing about a sked is the same thing with nets. You go in when you feel like it. If you don't feel like it, you don't, and that's okay. There's always somebody there. So right. Maybe it'll have people uh, be, uh, you know, a little bit of incentive to play radio. Yeah. All right. Well, there was a germ of an idea that turned into a virus or something. <laughs> I don't know. We'll find out. There you go. <laughs> all right. Well, with that, I guess we're to the first break already. So uh, this one is yours, and he's a fellow uh, Canuck. So uh, why don't you go ahead and introduce this gentleman that we've played like 27 times already. Yeah, well, that's because he rocks. Um, no, this is a tune called Fluoride uh, from Brad Sucks, who, uh, like we've said, uh, we've played many times. Uh, he's got a new album out. It's called uh, Guess Who's a Mess, and it was just released uh, well, in January. It was released a little while ago. Uh, but uh, I'm uh, also excited to say that Brad Sucks is coming to Montreal in two weeks, and I'm going to go see him. Uh, he's playing a club uh in uh, Montreal, so I'm gonna I'm trying to find somebody to go because nobody knows who he is, so nobody wants to come with me so far. But uh, if anybody's coming through Montreal and wants to go see Brad Sucks with me, invitation's open. But uh, that being said, uh, fluoride by Brad Sucks, uh, courtesy of Jamendo. <laughs> Picking up my broken teeth I spit them out Cause I can't swallow anything Mouthwash is pumping through my veins Just to help me get me on my feet And clean again Coming straight out of your mouth And into the ground Coming straight out of your mouth And into the Taking pains to do the things I gotta do to be the same I don't feel the way I think I seem Maybe I can work it out in surgery Coming straight out of your mouth and into the ground Coming straight out of your mouth and into the ground
All right, that was Brad Sucks uh, from the album Guess Who's a Mess with Fluoride. Uh, fellow Canadian, Canuck Power, Russ writes. Uh, so, uh, yeah, from uh, from Ottawa. It's actually just two hours away, so uh, very excited to go see him. I, I didn't like Brad Sucks when I first heard him. I don't know, maybe it's because you guys just picked the more horrible tunes, because some of this stuff I'm not too crazy about. But I must admit, I've become uh, quite a fan over the last uh, little while. We only pick the best music here. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, must have been an off day. <clears throat> okay. Uh, yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, back at the show, we have uh, some news about uh, Gary Pierce, KN4AQ, that you've uh, dug up. So let's hear about it. Yeah, it's another uh, older story. It's a couple of weeks old. Uh, this is from Ham Radio Night, <laughs> Ham Radio Now TV. Uh, Gary Pierce, uh, KN4AQ, uh, who a lot of people know and have seen, uh, released a few episodes back. I think they're up to episode like 107 or 108 now. But back in episode 104, uh, the episode was entitled Be Prepared, Be Very Prepared. And uh, on the episode, they had a gentleman called Raymond Fosdickus or Fosdickus or another name I'm massacring. <laughs> Raymond F., owner and editor of uh, Prepped and Prepared. It's a new magazine and TV show that's going to be launching in 2014, apparently. I have no idea if it's just going to be an e-magazine or an actual paper magazine. And when they say TV show... I'm not sure if they're actually talking TV or web TV or, uh, you know, major network. Probably not. Maybe. Who knows? Uh, but uh, this gentleman, uh, Ray F., uh, isn't a ham, uh, but he came to uh, Hamfest in Shelby. Uh, and I'm not sure where Shelby is because I didn't write it down. I'm going to guess North Carolina because I think it was from that end of the country uh, because he believed that hams would be a logical part of his audience and an important resource in the prepper movement, he quotes. So uh, he discusses in the episode basically how uh, the word prepper carries, uh, you know, some some baggage. He says a lot of it is usually negative, but uh, he embraces that concept and he steps back from the extreme elements of it and he expands on the themes that uh, most hams and and anyone really who's uh, kind of um, you know into that mindset of being prepared can identify with and benefit from. So. Uh, I guess it's like anything. There's extremists in, in every movement or religion. So I guess when it comes to preppers, it's the same thing. So uh, he says that uh, being as ready as you can be for disasters, be they large or small, natural and or man-made, local or global, says it's a good idea to be ready. So it's an 80-minute conversation, uh, and he says that you got to watch the whole thing uh, because uh, the second half is uh, the best half. So you can get that at hamradionow.com. TV, uh, and uh, you can see other episodes that are of interest. I mean, they talk, Ham Radio Now TV talks uh, about everything from um, AMSAT, Field Day, uh, you know, community service events, uh, various uh, ham fests and things like that. So um, uh, kind of an interesting find, so I thought I'd mention it. Yeah, it is interesting. And yes, the, the term prepper does usually indicates like kooks, but... Uh, well, if you YouTube prepper, that's all that comes up, of course. You know, that's <laughs> well, absolutely. Hits. Right. But I mean, there are people who are, you know, just people who want to be prepared. I mean, we always have a little pantry full of, of extra food in case we get, you know, I lived in the mountains for, for years. You get used to putting food aside in case you're snowed in and you can't go out. So we always stack things like pasta and rice, you know, batteries, flashlights. You know, it's always good to be prepared. And, and that can go as far as you want it to go, really. So. Right. But that, 
that kind of being prepared or that kind of preparedness doesn't usually carry a term with it. That's just, you know, a logical extension of making sure you have something when it snows hard for two days. I've, I've seen some of the videos and stuff of these, the ones they call preppers in quotes, you know, I'm doing air quotes right now. And, uh, they are, they can be a little bit nutty, but I think, I think the foundation of what they do is, is perfectly sound. I mean, I, I don't, I think most of us are underprepared for anything that's going to happen. They, they just sort of, go to the other extreme they're a little more over prepared than they need to be but there's something to be taken there's something to be learned from it regardless you should be prepared but you shouldn't go overboard it's like anything else you know you can have a slice or two of pizza don't eat the whole thing but um most people are underprepared and, and we as a society have become i'm, I'm going to go into the this is uh philosophy in the ham shack but uh we we kind of rely on our governments to to save us but keeping in mind that anybody who's going to come save you is going to make sure that they're safe first. So no one's going to just rush out, uh, you know, put themselves in harm's way for you. So you need to be ready to take care of yourself for, for a minimum amount of time, no matter what that is. And usually you prepare for your local, you know, you, I'm, I'm not going to prepare for hurricanes because we don't have those here. I'm going to prepare for things like snowstorms and ice storms. And so you figure out, you know, what's, what's the danger in your local area and you prepare for that. Uh, another guy who's, who spends a lot of time talking about preparedness is Jerry Terlow over at the Practical Amateur Radio podcast. That's um, some of his more recent episodes, which are not terribly recent now. Uh, spends a lot of time. I mean, he, he does it in the, in the context of amateur radio being prepared to sort of operate under, you know, emergency circumstances and stuff like that. But he also talks about, you know, ready.gov and, and uh, some of the sort of general guidelines about being prepared for, you know, reasonable eventualities not not like global nuclear warfare because i mean who's going to be prepared for that but you know <laughs> some people are i'm sure i'm sure i'm sure some people are that's right and the three of them will have fun together after it's all over be a little prepared at least don't don't get stuck without water when the power goes out for three days that kind of thing sites like ready.gov are perfect examples because they'll they'll teach you how to prepare for your local emergencies and and not in an over the over the top kind of way just in a logical you know just just being prepared kind of way oh when does the government ever ever do anything logical and sane and you know responsible i'm not sure that they're doing it but they're preaching it and i've <laughs> been on ready.gov on you on your guys sites i've compared you know different ones from all over the world because i'm not a prepper by any means but i'm certainly a person who likes to be informed and uh, they're all very similar, and, and they're all very well put together. Most likely because they're not put together by politicians. They're put together by people who actually know what they're talking about. <laughs> well, there is that. Uh, yeah, ready.gov. Check it out, Just to, even if you're just curious to see. It's a good place to start. So does Canada have one of those two, uh, radio, uh, or ready.ca or, or anything yeah, like that? Uh, oh, Harrison, help me out here. I think it's called Be Prepared. This is putting me on the spot. Eh? Beprepared.gc.ca if you want to check it out. Uh, that's not it. <laughs> okay, prepared. It's something like that. I'll find it. <laughs> chat amongst yourselves. All right. No, we can't chat amongst ourselves because I don't know anything about this next story. I guess I can go ahead and start reading it, though. I've I made you do that a couple of times. Yeah, let me go back to the get ready dot go for now. We'll come back to that. <laughs> Here, I'll go find Har out what the Canadian Harrison's side is. looking can, for it. There okay. you go. He's on the case. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that immensely. So, uh, yeah, this one I came came across today, and I thought was really interesting, just from a, from a geek standpoint. But uh, scientists are predicting that the sun's magnetic field is about to flip. Uh, it's it's just you know gonna gonna go 180 degrees. Uh, 
I wouldn't say out of phase, I guess, but just flip 180 degrees. So uh, these are, uh, according to measurements from uh, NASA-supported uh, observatories. So the sun's vast magnetic field is about to reverse. Uh, it changes polarity approximately every 11 years, which is an approximate, an approximate solar cycle for those who are in the know. Uh, ham radio guys know what solar cycles are. We kind of depend on those. And uh, NASA scientists uh, are saying that this could happen any day now. So they say any day, you know, within three to four months. Uh, I heard anything from three to four weeks to three to four months, depending on where I was reading the information. Uh, so uh, after this flip, that's what puts us into the second half of the solar cycle. We're into solar cycle 24 right now. So the pole reversals happen at the peak of the solar cycle. Uh, and it's uh, the sun's inner magnetic dynamo reorganizing itself, uh, they claim, whatever that means. So uh, if, if the sun has an inner magnetic dynamo, it would be melted. And you know so, it does. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Everybody has uh, an inner magnetic dynamo that flips its lid every so often. Yeah, there you go. So uh, the change, uh, the change causes ripple effects across the uh, entire solar system, of course, uh, because of, of the sun's reach. Uh, and according to uh, solar physicists, uh, uh, they say that this is going to affect uh, things like uh, the auroras and, and uh, magnetic fields and things of that nature. I don't think satellites are going to fall out of the sky since this apparently happens every uh, ten or eleven years or so. So. Uh, but it could interfere with the Earth's own magnetic field. So we'll uh, check it out. So if things are starting to happen uh, within three weeks to three months, uh, maybe uh, you'll know. So it, they say it could have an effect on power distribution grids and GPS satellites. Uh, but I, I think they're just kind of playing it safe because we've had some pretty interesting solar storms and nothing yet. Although, you never know. So this uh, is a story that I got from the Telegraph UK. Uh, it was dated November 20th. So the Telegraph UK is a very well-respected uh, paper. Uh, in the United Kingdom. But strangely, I couldn't find anything about this on NASA's website, so... Well, maybe they're not so respected anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. I've watched several programs over the past few years that's, that have talked about the flip in the Earth's magnetic field, and apparently that does happen as well. It obviously hasn't happened in quite some time. Uh, it doesn't happen nearly as uh, fluidly as it does on the sun, but apparently it does happen. So it'd be interesting if uh, all of a sudden tomorrow, you know, north was south. I, I think that would cause a bit of uh, a kerfuffle. <laughs> well, I don't think I don't think it goes. I don't think it changes north to south. It's just if the magnetic field changes. Yeah, I guess maybe it would. But yeah, I'm pretty yeah. sure it actually because because the poles are you know polar. <laughs> uh, well, so that means this would never have happened in. in in human lifetime. Right, right. Earth. Well, I think it may have happened in human lifetime, but the last time it happened was before there was anybody to actually measure it <laughs> or, or yeah, notice yeah. that it had actually flipped. I, w I want to say the, the year 30,000 years comes to mind, something like that. Could be completely wrong on that, but that sounds about like what I remember. Yeah, okay. Well, we'll see. Yeah. It actually too, happened I mean, 41,000 years ago. 41,000. That was actually pretty close. Hey, not bad. Yeah, not bad, indeed. So, um, yeah, well, we'll see uh, what happens with the suns. Uh, apparently, the sun doesn't have a north and a south if the polarity changes and nothing happens. Wouldn't, wouldn't we start spinning backwards and time would reverse? I'd get younger, <laughs> prettier. Oh, can, can that happen? I mean, yeah. like soon? <laughs> I saw it in Superman <laughs> once, so I'm still hoping. Oh. Right. Yeah. And that's based on fact. Uh, <laughs> of course. If it's on TV, it's real. Yeah, absolutely. 
So, uh, Harrison uh, got it. Uh, get prepared. Shame on me for not knowing that. Uh, get prepared.gc.ca is the Canadian equivalent to ready.gov. Ours, of course, has to be much longer and more complex. So, <laughs> GC for Government of Canada, CA for Canada. <laughs> but it, but it, all, it also sounds better, too. Instead of ready.gov, which has a lot of ha- you know, harsh consonants in it, it's beprepared.gc.ca, or get prepared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So it's much more fluid and, and, uh, and nicer sounding. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess. Maybe. It's all about the marketing, huh? <laughs> exactly. So, thanks, Harrison, for that, by the way. Yep, excellent. And uh, so unless uh, anyone has anything else to interject before the uh, next intermission, I think we're moving on to some more music. I got nothing. Got nothing? Gerald, anything? No, no I'm... Anyone? Nothing. Anyone? Any, any prediction on the next flip of the Earth's magnetic field? You know? Yeah, let's have a pool. 5,000 years, <laughs> 10,000 years. That, that, well, no, that doesn't work. 5,000 years, 20,000 years, Tuesday. <laughs> I <laughs> And actually, from what I'm reading in the Wikipedia article, um, it doesn't sound like it's going to happen anytime soon. So, well, that, that's good. So um, we... Yeah. It says, most reversals are estimated to take between 1,000 and 10,000 years. The latest one occurred 780,000 years ago, but a brief complete, complete reversal known as the last champ event occurred 41,000 years ago. The reversal lasted only about 440 years. Is that all? With the actual change of polarity lasting about 250 years. Okay, David Suzuki told me that it lasts a long time for the Earth. Not directly, of course, but one of his shows. But uh, what the hell is this newspaper talking about then? Oh, on Wikipedia? Is that what you're talking about? No, no, no. We're talking about uh, magnetic field reversals. So it only happens every so many tens of thousands of years, then what the hell is the telegraph.uk talking about when well, they it, say, hey, it's going to happen in three months? Because tens of thousands of years on the Earth, you know, it's talking about the sun. Totally different thing. Yeah, the, this is actually the Earth that I was Oh, apology. <laughs> gone back to the sun. Shame on me. No, no. Catch up. No. <laughs> trying. Orient, properly orient your magnetic I'm field. Out, I'm out of shape. <laughs> All right. Well, this is uh, the next music bit we've got is one that you actually picked out a couple of weeks ago, but we didn't get to. So uh, it's by a group that we have played before as well. I think we've done two or three songs by Fresh Body Shop. They're yeah. a sort of a hard rocky kind of grungy ish. They they actually sound uh, the lead singer actually sounds a lot like Trent Reznor, uh, especially during this particular song. If you like the Nine Inch Nails industrial hard rock kind of sound, then you're probably going to like Fresh Body Shop a lot. Uh, this one was released a few years ago, back in July of 2007. It's a little over three and a half minutes long, and we're going to listen to it now. This is Locked In by Fresh Body Shop from the album Make This End. And, of course, we uh, get this courtesy of Jamendo as we get most of our stuff. We'll catch you in about three and a half.
right. Fresh Body Shop again. For the first time. <laughs> well, that song for the first time, yes. So Actually, I didn't get that when I uh, first listened to it. Lead singer does sound a lot like Trent Reznor. It's actually uh, almost uncanny. It is. Maybe it is Trent Reznor in sheep's clothing. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps if he hangs out in France. I don't know. <laughs> Perhaps so. Maybe. Maybe he's a kinky. Well, he probably is, actually. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going there. Uh, yeah, okay. So uh, anyway, on to feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. Yeah, we had lots of feedback this week uh, in the form of, uh, of of feedback that we've uh, we've had in the past. So a continuation of feedback is, uh, I guess, the term I'm kind of looking for. And that's why we made the other uh, sections of the show a little bit shorter because we got lots of feedback. So um, I thought I was very excited. Well, that's very good because uh, this first one was actually some interaction you had with Mike, and Mike is like t- you know on the show more than a couple of us are <laughs> lately. But uh, you recommended uh, Ham OS for him as a as a trial operating system, and he gave it a try and apparently had some issues with it. So uh, we'll let you go ahead and read this since this was your kind of deal with Mike. Yeah, uh, Mike being a. A friend, of course, we were corresponding back and forth, but I thought this had a lot of relevance uh, uh, and, and some other people who might be playing with it you know, might, might get some help from, from Mike's experiences. So uh, He says, hi, Pete. Uh, a lot of fun to participate in the podcast last, uh, this is last night. I got this email two weeks ago. Uh, so we played around a bit more with HamOS, and uh, this is where he wound up. So he had no Wi-Fi. Uh, his computer was complaining uh, that he doesn't have any Wi-Fi drivers loaded. So he states, maybe it's my hardware. Uh, He was installing this on a Lenovo ThinkPad laptop, says it's about six years old. So I'm guessing probably around a T60-ish kind of. Mike is in the chat room right now, so maybe he can confirm that. Uh, So uh, he says it requires proprietary drivers uh, that's not part of the Ham OS distro. He also didn't have uh, sound, or at least very good sound. He could only faintly hear the uh if you if you install uh hey t61 there you go i'm not that bad uh he's he's for those of you who haven't played with ham os when you start it up there's a cw message right there as you boot it up which is kind of neat so he says at full volume he could hardly make out that uh, cw message and uh, none of his digital modes this is one of the reasons that mike was looking for this uh for a distro that was ham radio friendly is because he enjoys the digital modes. So FL Digi, for example, he couldn't produce any audio out, which is a big problem when you're playing with digital modes, of course. So he tried uh, selecting uh, different uh, audio devices li- listed in the uh, uh, drop-down menus of the uh, configuration sections, but he says he had uh, no luck. So he, again, he says uh, maybe it's my uh, hardware is not well supported by HamOS. He had a little bit of trouble also with the update manager, indicated that updates were needed uh, but kept crashing when it ran. Uh, he did a Google search for the problem, found some articles relating to it, uh, tried some fixes, uh, something called Aptitude Upgrade, which I'm unfamiliar with myself. Uh, he says it partially cured the problem, but still doesn't run uh, successfully. So, um, interestingly, I I am running it right now very successfully and have been for a few months now. I'm liking it more and more. And I'm running it on, on an older, on a T43, which is an IBM Lenovo. Uh, they're the same. Uh, it used to be IBM, then Lenovo took over. I believe it's all the... the not sure if it's the making or the servicing of it, but uh, the, uh, they're, they're in cahoots. So my T43, which is about 
easily easily nine or ten years old now uh, is running Wi-Fi, uh, no problems with audio. Um, I did a very basic install, uh, just let the computer go, you know, install, go, uh, answer a few questions uh, like a noob would, and uh, I've had absolutely no problems with it at all. So I'm very surprised. I'm not surprised that some computers might have issues with it. I'm just very surprised that his T61 is having issues, my T43, which is, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a predecessor, uh, has having no problems at all. So uh, anyhow, I don't know if you had any input at this point, uh, Russ? No, not really. You, you asked what Aptitude was. It's just a another wrapper around the dpackage package manager for Debian-based systems, another way to do app gets and, and so on and so forth. Okay, cool. There you go. So uh, anyhow, um, I'm, I'm actually considering, uh, not considering, I was going to suggest to Mike that he might want to send this feedback uh, directly uh, to Richard, the developer of HamOS, and I can put you guys in touch, which is a great guy. Uh, and uh, I, I think it would be good feedback for him to hear. He might not be aware, um, or maybe he would have some explanations. I'm not sure, but I thought I would uh, suggest that. So uh, Mike continues uh, in the email. Uh, he says, now the good news, he's having excellent l- luck with uh, Linux Mint, uh, another distribution uh, which we talk about regularly and, and quite uh, popular amongst the uh, ham radio uh, noobs. And I like Mint myself, I must admit. So uh, he found uh, and installed uh, several of the ham software after installing Mint, of course, uh, that he was interested from the uh, ham OS distro. So a lot of his um, things like FLDigi uh, JT65 which he says uh, he's gotten to work under Wine, uh, which is uh, very cool. He says, finally, uh, this is, uh, uh, excuse me, finally, and this really amazed me, I noticed that the ARRL logbook of the world, L-O-T-W, just released their update client, TQSL. The ARRL website stated uh, that they weren't releasing binaries for for Linux, but had the build tree available for download and compilation. Uh, So he downloaded it, and after about six attempts, uh, he said, he got it to build, and he got it to run. So it loaded his certificates, and he's good to go. So those of you who have been afraid to try it, uh, or were wondering if it works, well, uh, there you go. You have a real-life experience that you can get LOTW running uh, under Linux Mint. Uh, So uh, he continues again, main challenges is that the build depends on two compilers and a lot of development libraries, uh, which I had to install one at a time from the software manager. So maybe not for the faint of heart or for the uh, person who's trying Linux for the very first time. Uh, They provide a script for setting up the environment that identifies each piece that's missing, and then you install them one by one. I had to install the G++ compiler, excuse me, the G++ compiler, uh, expat lib, uh, WX widgets lib, curl lib, etc. Uh, there is some guesswork because in some cases uh, there's more than one version of a library, but I must have guessed right because uh, once all the dependencies were satisfied, it built without error. So uh, way to go, Mike. Uh, that's very cool. Uh, to create an icon in the menu for it, I had to install a package called a la carte, which installs uh, an edit interface to the main menu where you can create a menu link uh, not unlike creating a desktop shortcut in Windows. See, I didn't know that either, so I thought that was very cool. 
So anyways, he says he's excited by uh, all the progress, uh, which is good. I mean, the main idea is uh, that Mike was originally looking for uh, – uh, he was looking to get away from, from his Windows machine, was looking to get into Linux a little bit more and do some ham radio stuff. So uh, he figured out a way to do it, which is very good. Uh, he says this thing is going to stick with Mint for a while. He says it's working well on his laptop. He confirms in the uh, chat room that it's still running very well on uh, his machine. So uh, way to go. I've also – I ran it for a long time uh, uh, from Mint 10, I believe, is when I, I got into Mint and have had absolutely no problems with it whatsoever and also thought it's a, a really good distro. Uh, and then he says he has an older tower that he's picking up on the weekend uh, and he's going to try HamOS on it and see how that goes. So uh, let us know uh, when you do that and see if you have a little bit more luck. So he says he's enjoying the podcast and he's having fun playing with Linux or more fun playing with Linux then he should because this is what he does all day long for work so you wouldn't think it would be relaxing but Linux is relaxing very good uh, best 73s and he says oops we're having a beautiful fall uh, we were now we're fast uh, going into winter so uh, uh, comments <laughs> uh, no none for me it sounds like uh, Linux Mint is working for him which is great because it's one we highly recommend here so it's nice to know that it's doing its job. And I had a little trouble with Linux Mint 15 when I tried it. It didn't didn't seem to work on my machine, but if it's working great on his machine, then that's fantastic. It's good to know that uh, whatever problems I was having were simply specific to me. Yeah, that's interesting because I'm, I'm still running. Well, Sharon, my lovely better half, is running 10 on her machine. I've been meaning to upgrade because it's a lot of uh, things that aren't supported anymore. So I'm, I'm hoping that that's going to go smoothly, but... I'll uh, let you guys know. It'll be my next foray. But uh, yeah, I'm, like I said, I just uh, don't understand that the T43 is running uh, HamOS perfectly with a very basic install and the newer T60. I'd have to try it on one of her T500s at work and see. I don't think the net guys would like me very much because they'd have to redo the whole image. But it would be an interesting experiment anyways. <laughs> yeah, don't piss off your tech guys. No, no, well, especially me, who's also a tech guy. They wouldn't like me very much. <laughs> I know better, but it just—it would be interesting to try it and say I'm going to try it. I'd just like to try it on a newer machine of, in the same series. You know, ideally, I would get you know uh, one from from every second year or so to to see because you know after I maybe it's because mine is an IBM and his is a, a, a Lenovo, and maybe Lenovo is doing something that IBM was or wasn't doing. You know. Maybe it's just as simple as that. I have no idea. Nor do I, and so I will not speculate. Speculation is fun, though. Aliens! Aliens have taken over the company! That's not speculation. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, so, uh, all right, well, we'll jump right to uh, mail uh, number two, which is uh, further feedback uh, from Mike. So uh, thanks for all the feedback, Mike. Uh, we always invite people to tell us uh, their experiences with Linux, so it's uh, very exciting. I'm sure our listeners are uh, very happy to hear how uh, some of their fellow listeners are faring, too, in the world. So uh, anyhow, I digress. Uh, so this one was uh, sent to me uh, today, actually. <laughs> very hot off the presses. Uh, hi, Pete. Had a lot of time over the weekend uh, to uh, run through some uh, more back issues of LHS podcast. So uh, he's catching up, which is good, which is which I have to do that. I'm about three or four episodes back myself. And uh, he got to the ones where we had discussed uh, Crunchbang and uh, Linux Lite. And uh, that was a few episodes ago uh, when uh, we were discussing these with Harrison. So uh, he 
continues. I have an old Dell desktop, single processor, about 3 gig, uh, and only 512 megabytes of RAM. And he tried to run Mint 15 on it, uh, but it was definitely laggy. Well, that's, that's the problem with Mint. Mint, you got to run on a half-decent machine, because I've had the same problems. It's, it's still quite heavy, Mint. You know, it's really good, but if you get a machine that's too old, uh, you know, unless you uninstall a whole bunch of stuff that loads on its own, uh, you're, you're going to have problems with it. So, uh, so he uh, first tried uh, CrunchBang uh, from a live USB stick, and uh, he says he loved the UI, but uh, regret- regrettably, simply could not get it to install from the stick. I've actually never tried an install from a stick. I'm it's not kind of old school and burn ISOs on DVDs, but it's just kind of an old habit, I guess. Uh, so he says it kept rebooting instead of uh, starting the install. So I don't know. Could it be as simple as maybe a BIOS setting? Uh, I have no idea. I'm speculating. No, I've just lost my place in the email. Where was I? <laughs> some machines don't allow booting from USB devices, and some do, and some you have to tweak. Some you have to hit a function key. It just depends on the machine. Okay. Then he continues, uh, then I put Linux Lite on the machine. Uh, this was a lot more successful. I haven't tried Linux Lite yet. So I, I find CrunchBang light enough for most of my applications, even on some of the older stuff that I've run in the past. I'm a big fan of CrunchBang. Uh, so anyways, uh, so much so that I think uh, I will invest in an additional uh, 2 gigs of RAM use this box for my ham radio station. So he's currently uh, running uh, Mint 15 on the T61, as we've stated for... Uh, uh, from the last email, and he says that's still working fine. Reducing the disk space allocated to Win XP and increasing the Linux partition. As you should, Mike, as you should. So my goal is to abandon Windows altogether by the spring. Ah, there you go. I, I find it hard myself uh, to get rid of Windows because I still have a few programs from you know very proprietary radios that run only uh, Windows uh, software and doesn't necessarily run well under wine. So I always find myself that it's useful to keep one Windows machine. But that being said, I'm not saying that you should. If you can get by with Linux, it's just because I'm lazy and I don't feel like finding the workaround. So for me, it's easier for professional reasons too. I mean, I'm joking partially as well. But uh, yeah, that's good. Uh, so he's slowly going towards Linux and a little bit further away from Windows. The best story, though, is a machine I have at work that I've wanted to uh, share with uh, Linux and WinXP. So first I tried CrunchBang. Again, no luck. Uh, Some problem with the display adapter. Uh, Then I put Linux Lite on. Disaster struck. Couldn't boot on either partition. After some Googling and trying a variety of remedies that didn't work, finally occurred to uh, Mike uh, what had happened. Uh, In his original installation attempt, he opted for the lazy partition option, and accepted the side-by-side with Windows choice. So his machine has two hard drives installed on it, uh, and for some reason it uh, installed on the secondary disk. Uh, So when he was trying to boot, uh, Grub was looking for the Linux install on the secondary drive, which was not yet mounted at boot time. So simple error and and easy to overlook. Uh, So And and the cool thing is that he uh, figured it out, so... Uh, anyways, I reinstalled it manually, setting up the partitions so that both the Windows and Linux bootable partitions were both on the primary hard disk, uh, and all was well. So uh, this was probably a noob mistake, and uh, thankfully easy to resolve uh, once I caught on. So uh, like I mentioned, uh, there you go, troubleshooting. 
the heart of ham radio. Um, having a lot of fun with these installs, as he mentioned earlier, really enjoying the podcast. So thanks a lot, Mike, for that. And he says, I hope to catch the live show tonight. And there he is in the chat room. So uh, uh, enjoy the beautiful uh, weather again, uh, although it's not that beautiful here of late, but that's okay. And he sends his uh, best regards to everyone. So uh, thanks for that, uh, Mike. I appreciate uh, uh, your feedback. And that's that very, very specific feedback. Quite often we get feedback. You know, it kind of goes like, uh, yeah, it, it worked good or, you know, working great, happy. So uh, very, very specific stuff like this. Uh, certainly of interest to me and, and hopefully of interest to some people who are uh, listening and maybe trying some of this stuff and having the same problems. So if anybody has any uh, questions or comments, please uh, feel free to send them to us and we'll try to help you out. Yeah, well, I don't really have anything else to add to that. That was a very thorough conversation that I think got to the heart of the matter. So I, I think uh, we can sum it up as try Linux Mint. <laughs> Absolutely. We'll try any Linux distribution you might want to try. Um, so Mint is is an easy way to get started, definitely. It is a good place to start. And if you can do it from USB stick, you should definitely do that because, one, you don't waste a DVD when you're doing it. And two DVDs cost like 18 cents now. Well, that's true, but you can still do it over and over again because you can use like UNED Booten or whatever to just write a new image every time you want to do an install. And, uh, so you can just use the same thumb drive over and over and over and over again. And they tend to be a little bit faster because, um, the way, you know, the way the read head moves around on an optical drive tends to slow things down a lot. So if you can actually run it from like a 10 X, speed secure digital card or something like that it tends to run very quickly almost as fast almost as fast as uh you know running it off the hard drive depending on the machine so give it a try it works it's good uh, I'm, I'm nothing against it <laughs> like i said it's just kind of i wasn't you know, talking to you i was talking the to iso everybody. and it's like oh i just throw the cd in there it just kind of it's muscle memory it just happens on its own yeah i understand i still do it too every once in a while if i can't find a thumb drive handy but uh, yeah, no, I should do that. Then I can have them all in one place. But see, then if I lose them, I have to download them all again. Yeah. Oh well. Just keep them. <laughs> do what I do. Have a NAS somewhere and just keep all your stuff and never get rid of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have several little spots like that in my shack, as I'm sure most of us ham radio guys do. I, uh, I keep all these little baskets, all those little cheap wicker baskets that people get as gifts. So I have them here and there in the shack. So I have some with adapters and I have some with cables and I find them quite handy. And and my wife finds them decorative in the shack. So, you know, making us both happy. All right. Well, um, we got to... <laughs> <laughs> on that note. Yeah, on that note, let's move on to our very extensive uh, social media roundup. <laughs> uh, let's see if Cheryl's back because she did this last time. We can never do it again this time. I am back. All right. So you're going to take us through the social media roundup again. So we'll start with the donations and subscriptions for the last couple of weeks. Take it away. All righty then. Donations and subscriptions for the last couple of weeks uh, are Thomas H., which gave a very generous donation, Richard G., which did a yearly donation, Gary U., which did monthly, Jim N., which did monthly, Bill H. was monthly, Bill A. was monthly, and Scott P. was monthly. In the social media roundup for Google+, Randall P. and Michael R. from Barrie, Ontario. 
Fellow Canuck. Fellow Yay. Canuck, yeah. I love how you have to interject that, Pete, every time there's a Canadian. It's like, oh, my God, another Canadian. I know. It's like, <laughs> there's three of us now. I know. You're so scarce. <laughs> Ooh, you're so, uh, four, sorry. <laughs> All right. So I'm moving on. Alrighty then. Uh, on Facebook, there was Ben S. And on Twitter. <laughs> Here we uh, go, folks. <laughs> yeah, it's a long list. So hang on. At 73s, at Radio Geek, Rugby Lug, Latest Digitals, Ham Radio Forever, Apple One Computer, Glenn, KD5HCL, Jason B, KY9J, uh, also known as Jason Begley, Russell, M3LCZ, Jeffrey B, uh, NT1K, ID is It's Bale, Norman P, CVW0C. I think that's Sorry, an OC. I think it's CVWOC. Okay. Gotcha. Um, having problems reading in the dark. Maybe I should turn the light on. Andy H, K5PO, Todd S, WM8C, Phil H, K4NE, Kevin T, N5PRE, Trent F, N4DTF, Greg W, K4HSM, Jeff P, KE4OLE1, Jeff D, which is KE9V, Marco B, IW2IGA, Mike M, which is N5JKY, David L, M0IBC, Tim P, KG8OC, ELTJE, I have no clue on how to pronounce that. Just P-A-3-C-E-E. Chuck M, which is D-E-N-9-K-Y. Steve C, K-4-D-X-V. Danny P, N-G-9-R. Rob W, which is Rob M underscore T-M-A. Pete D, which is Radio N-3-F-N-E. Stephen H, which is G-8-E-B-M. Mitch, which is kf 5 Zero EF. Oh, EF. Sorry. William S. NE4RD. Thomas D. Thomas Davis underscore K5F GBL. Craig V, which is KB3SBI. Scott P, which is N8VSI. John N5JLD. And Mike R, which is Bad Toys with a Z. And Mike R joined the mailing list. Okay, and finally, we're at the end of that very, very, very <laughs> long list. A crazy week on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, I was uh, updating our followers over on Twitter last week, and uh, all the subscribers came in, and Pete was on his email instantly like, what the hell are you doing, man? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say hell. Oh, uh, well. My, my I inflection. Was just I thought it was cool because you get one here, one there, and all of a sudden they're just kind of flooding in. So I figured <laughs> you did something. <laughs> well, uh, thank you to everybody who uh, donated or subscribed or followed us on any of the various multi or you know, social media sites or joined the mailing list. Uh, you see all of those people who have done that. So if you haven't done it, you should definitely do it. We're on Google+, Facebook, Twitter. We have our mailing list. All the information on all these are on the website. 
And, do uh, it. Yeah. Do, do it. it. Do it now. <laughs> do it now. Grab my hand. <laughs> Something like that. Anyway, we'll mention all of those and where you can sign up and everything uh, like real soon now because uh, I think we're just about done for the show and it's time to start up the outro and let Pete take us home. Excellent. I'm already home. I know you're already home, but do we get like free sandwiches if you take us home? So yeah, yeah. And and moon pies. Well, um moon pie sandwiches. <laughs> I want to thank uh Cheryl for being here again and uh Yeah, thanks Cheryl. Always good to have you're you. You're welcome. Probably going to be a uh, permanent fixture of the show. We'll see how that goes. Cool. Yay. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's kind of up to you, so I don't say yay. <laughs> going to keep us in line. That's right. Keep us. No, we're not well, going to be able to surf porn job. anymore. We're going to what? It's such a hard job. You know, used to with, you know, with Richard, I was in the chat room telling him to calm down and be nice. At least this time I go, hey, you two are getting out of control. You've got to stop it. Well, Which see, you never do, but... We try not yeah. to. Try not to get too crazy. Too, not too, you know, we're two wild and crazy guys, but... See, I'm not going to be able to surf porn anymore because there's a lady present. Oh, oh there you go. <laughs> yeah, right. Less Lesbian Nazi midget porn. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Did I say that out loud? Yeah. <laughs> Can we, can we get another co-host for this show? I think we may need one. I stole that from Weird Al Yankovic. I can't take the can't can't, take, Don't want to take the credit for that one? Huh? Don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was from, uh, what movie was that from? Oh, goodness. Is the one with Wheel of Fish. Uh, yeah, it's called VHF, I think. Or U- yes, UHF. that's the one. Yeah. yeah, I saw that years ago. Anyways. Yep. Was, he was doing a. Was I don't think Weird Al. I, I remember the whole quote. He's like, he's doing a thing on. It's kind of a, uh, you know, one of those shocking reality shows, like Montel Williams, and he goes, uh, "Lesbian Nazi hookers kidnapped by UFOs and forced into weight loss programs <laughs> on the next Geraldo." <laughs> right. I, I vaguely even remember that. It stuck with me for some strange reason. Okay. <laughs> Because you've watched it many, many times. No, I've only seen it once. <laughs> All right. Well, that's far enough afield. We need to get rain back in. So, best uh, yet again. Yep. All right. That's that's it for this time, uh, folks. Um, so we'll see you in a couple of weeks, and uh, Pete's going to give you all the specifics. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> you can start talking. The outro will come. You know, it's all know, right. All right. That's good. That's good. Uh, all right. So uh, check out our website, of course, lhspodcast.info for all the latest news. Uh, you can become an ambassador also by visiting our website. Upcoming events and information on how you can represent Linux in the ham shack at a nearby Linux conference or ham fest. Uh, please email us uh, info at lhspodcast.info. Or leave us a voicemail. Voicemails are a lot of fun. One nine zero nine LHS show. Uh, that's one nine zero nine five four seven seven four six nine. Hate mail routed to Harrison. Uh, hate mail at lhspodcast.info. Not too much hate, however, because uh, Harrison is a, a fine young man who does a fine uh, job. 
Uh, subscribe to the mailing list, as many people do. Uh, the link is on the website. Uh, see, all the answers are on the website. Uh, Cafe Press and Printfection, where you can buy some of our show merchandise. There's some pretty cool stuff in there, too. Uh, each purse just helps out the show a little bit. Uh, so you can uh, just even just go help out the show by clicking on the sponsored ads in the right-hand column of the homepage. So even if you don't want to go buy anything, uh, just go there and, and click away, and that'll help us out. So uh, cafepress.com slash LHS podcast and printfection.com slash LHS podcast. Listen live every other Tuesday, 8 p.m. Central, uh, or that's Wednesday at 0200 Zulu. Next show is in uh, 14 days. Our recording schedule countdown timer of the next episode also available on the website. That's right. Thanks to all of our listeners, uh, live, quasi live. Uh, we couldn't do it without you. My name's Pete, Victor Echo 2, X Ray Papa Lima. I'm in Montreal, and I'm saying 7 3, everyone. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. All right, Pete. Thanks a lot for that. And uh, thank you, Cheryl, for being here on the show again. And we'll see you both in a couple of weeks. And uh, I guess we'll wrap up this episode number 118 of Linux in the Ham Shack. This is Russ, K5TUX broadcasting live to uh, the internet from between the peaks in the pine forests of north central arkansas and uh, we'll catch you all in two weeks time goodbye for now Good.